The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And welcome to another edition of Winning Ponies. Hope we got a good one lined up for you. I do believe you're going to like our guest and our handicapper this evening. Our guest is one Sean Clancy. Uh, this guy, not only a champion steeplechase jockey, but also a multiple award-winning writer, including an Eclipse Award. And, of course, uh, he and his brother uh, team up to do the Saratoga Special. And with the spa right around the corner, we thought that would be very timely. So our first guest will be Sean Clancy. And, and after that, uh, a friend and a handicapper, a guy that's worked for the racing forum for 11 years. He's out on a new venture now. His name is Steve Marsenak. Uh, you'll see him at a racetrack near you or a handicapping contest near you. Uh, a very sharp uh, capper. And uh, you're going to enjoy uh, Steve's insight into the races we're going to look at. Of course, this week uh, down at Calder, if the need is for speed, that's what you've got with a slew of sprint stakes races, including numerous graded stakes races. We're going to take a look at those. And then uh, we're also going to go to the two of the biggest races uh, traditionally, the Suburban and the Hollywood Gold Cup. Well, the first Saturday in July is coming up, and traditionally, over the past 25 years, this has been jockeys across America. Well, uh, it was it started out by Tim Conway and uh, set, set up with Don Macbeth's uh, wife and the help of Chris and Judy McCarran. Uh, back in uh, this February of 2011, Tony DeFranco, who really was the quarterback of uh, the Don Macbeth Fund, uh, passed away, and since then uh, the fun has has gone away. But I, I don't think that the effort should, and I hope that other tracks are are doing the same that we are, and that's we're going to continue with Jockeys Across America Day, of course, picking up steam uh, as, as far as efforts in uh, jockey benefits has been the Jockeys Guild, fantastic organization. We've had uh, numerous members of them on uh, Winning Ponies, and uh, so we're trying to uh, ask tracks across the country to continue with Jockeys Across America. Uh, here at River Downs, it's, it's going to be Jockeys Across America to benefit the Permanently Disabled Jockeys Fund, and they are going to share the money with, I believe it's called the Winner's Fund, which are funds that also cover exercise riders, which uh, the Don Macbeth Fund did. So um, I just wanted to tell you, 
if you haven't noticed, it's been a little hot around the country. We've been blessed that we haven't had to cancel, but we're going to have three straight 101 days, which means I might not have a whole lot of foot traffic at this silent auction. So I want to let you in on a chance to get some great items if you call me before 4 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on Saturday. Let me just run down some of the items I've got uh, for this silent auction. Uh, I've got both Kentucky Derby and Oaks photos and programs signed by Super Mario and Rosie. Um, I've also got signed books from Pin Oak Farm, uh, from Joseph, uh, Joseph Ambercrombie, and uh, other people that couldn't donate something, like the, the Knuckles Brothers uh, Farm, uh, they went ahead and just sent cash. Uh, Jeff Johnson today dropped off a great saddle towel uh, that was worn by Balto Star, still has his name on it. This thing has gone around the world. If You, you, may, you may have to turn back the clock there to... Uh, uh, oh, about six, seven years ago, but Balto Star was quite a runner uh, through that decade. Uh, 38 starts, 12 wins, 2.6 million. Uh, he won the United Nations handicap, and this saddle towel has been around. I mean, you got everybody: Julie Crone, Mike Smith. You've got uh, Midwest uh, riders. Just some great, great autographs on this uh, beautiful uh, saddle towel. And just blessed, I, I got a call. For, for the uh, the stallions at Coolmore, boy, you want a challenge, try picking a horse out from their roster. And they said, well, who would you like a, the uh, halter from? Uh, Kate Blanco, Fupeg, Giants Causeway, looking at Lucky. I went on and on. Well, I finally settled on Uncle Mo because I think he's kind of fresh in a lot of people's minds, and uh, he was the last two-year-old champion before Hanson, undefeated two-year-old champion. So I've got a beautiful Uncle Mo halter, and I want to make sure that I get high enough bids. So I'm going to throw this out to you, and I'll say it more than once. You can call me, and I'll have my voicemail, or I'll have an assistant answering the phone up to 4 o'clock on Saturday at 513-354-8303. Now, tomorrow, tomorrow if you go up to the Pollock Report, uh, there's going to be some photos of the items, uh, some listings of the items, and it's going to tell you a little bit about uh, how we're trying to keep the, the fund going uh, through the PDJF. So, again, uh, take a look at some of the photos. Look at the listings. We've got some great memorabilia, and uh, the number, again, is 513-354-8303. That's up to 4 o'clock on Sunday because it's going to take me a while to get all the bids together. And if you are the highest bidder, we will call you back. Okay, so that's what's coming up uh, this this weekend. Let's see what happened in the news uh, earlier in the week. It was quite a busy week. Uh, the question is, is there a new Frankel on the horizon? Carrah. That's right. At the Carrah, Camelot stays unbeaten with his Irish Derby victory. And so awful top connections now. Uh, it was uh, Aiden O'Brien train, big surprise there, and it was ridden by his son, Joseph O'Brien. And they say that uh, this horse did not like the soft turf and still went on uh, this heavy course uh, going outside, steering clear, uh, caught the favorite, uh, a slow winning time. This is a mile and a half, but right now the talk turns to the English Triple Crown, where no horse has landed since Nijinsky in 1970. We talk about America's Triple Crown being impossible to get. How about this? It's been since 1970 since they have won the English Triple Crown, and they say that Camelot will go for the St. Leger Stakes later this summer at Doncaster. So that's going to be very interesting to track. Uh, 
Good news on the horizon. Delmar is going to offer higher purses for their upcoming meet, uh, starting out with the maiden special weights and allowances. Uh, two-year-old maidens were $70,000, an increase from 7000 last year. Uh, the increases come after uh, Delmar underpaid purses by about $1.3 million, so there's going to be a retroactive payment late last year. Uh, very interesting, in addition to the higher purses, Delmar is going to continue his program of paying bonuses to the owners of horses who ship from out of state to race at the meeting, provided the horses are not first-time starters and have not raced in California in the last six months. So check this out. The bonus has two features. You get a $1,000 bonus just for starting, regardless of the type of race, and a 25% purse bonus for those in overnight races. And uh, last year, there were 107 horses that qualified that, so uh, all eyes are going to be on Delmar pretty soon, I can tell you that. All right, well, uh, a guest on Winning Ponies not too long ago, and uh, will always be a regular, I believe, is, is one Patricia Cooksey, and uh, it looks like she's taken on a new role. In recent years, she's worked at the Director of Public Relations for the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission. Well, now it's going to be a female-dominated stewards room at Ellis Park, where she's going to join Barb Borden, who uh, took over the top spot in Kentucky, and also in the box with them will be Butch Beecraft at Ellis Park in the steward stand. Of course, uh, those of you all recall that uh, PJ, who still rides in some of the competitive female races, retired from riding in 2004 after winning over 2,000 races. At one time, she was the winningest female rider in North America and was finally passed by Julie Crone. Uh, she's still in the third spot all time behind Crone and Rosemary Holmeister. So good luck to PJ. It'll be interesting to see if uh, she continues on uh, as as official in Kentucky. Uh, Lloyd Gentry, who once trained Grouse Star, Cowie King, and Proud Clarion, the 67 Derby winner, who's considered one of the fastest horses of his times. He passed away in Lexington at the age of 87. He was a living in Stewart, Florida. Uh, he, his career spanned six decades and linked him to some of the most prestigious names and stables. Uh, he was a head trainer for Captain Harry Guggenheim. And uh, during a nine-day period in 55, Gentry won the Bluegrass Stakes at Keeneland with Racing Fool, the Derby Trial with Flying Fury, the Kentucky Oaks with Laloon, and ran fourth in the Derby with Racing Fool. But uh, So uh, racing loses an, another good man in Lloyd Gentry. Well, here's a good man that we don't think that uh, we have lost and who had a lot to celebrate for, and that's Mike Mitchell. As you know, we talked last week that Mike Mitchell was discovered to have a brain tumor, and uh, news that just came out yesterday is that he's recovering well from the surgery, uh, removing the brain tumor. He's in fine spirits, and uh, they say he's waiting results of the biopsy, and uh, they expect him to be on the backstretch pretty darn soon. So congratulations to Camp Victory, who scored a victory over the highly regarded the factor uh, out of the Baffert's uh, stable, as you call it, the Baffert horse went over to Dubai and did not fare well in the Dubai Golden Shanine. But it was just a lot of good vibes coming out of Camp Victory's victory last week, and good luck to Mike Mitchell on on his coming back. Uh, now let's take a look at uh, some of the races we looked at last week. Uh, the Bed of Roses that was went to Derwin's. Star Ramon Dominguez continues to just ride sensationally in New York. Uh, came from just off the pace and pulled away to win by three and a half over Catch a Thief 
and CeCe's Pale in the grade three bed of roses. Uh, at Churchill Downs, it was a firecracker. It was their closing stake, and uh, it was awful soft down there. But a horse who I saw run as a two-year-old on the grass here at the river, Guy's Reward, uh, rewarded Corey Lannery with another win. This horse trained by Dale Romans. Guy's Reward goes out a winner, and so do Romans and Lannery. They took the top spot at Churchill Downs. It was Landry's first title, and Romans now has won or tied for nine of them. And that was the, the firecracker handicap. Let's go now to the New York States in wire-to-wire fashion with Jose Lescano in the saddle. It was Mystical Star turning the tables on Aruna and hit it rich, who beat that filly in the Sheep's Head Bay Stakes last time out. So that was the New York Stakes. As you know, we, uh, we visited uh, Iowa Last week, Prairie Meadows, uh, their big day of racing. The Cornhusker, upset time. Everybody thought that successful Dan, who had come off five straight victories, was going to be successful in the Cornhusker. But a beautiful ride by Brian Hernandez got the win for Fort Larned. Fort Larned uh, was took the lead right away, extended it down the backstretch, got a little bit of a breather around the turn, and then BJ brought him home for trainer Ian Wilkes. So that was an upset in, at Prairie Meadows. Uh, of course, so one race that was not an upset was the Iowa Derby. An absolute laugher. Hansen went from flag fall to that's all. Was not even asked by Ramon Dominguez from at least the 16th pole home. And uh, it basically was a public workout. A hero of honor, the Louisiana Derby winner who hasn't done much since, uh, came back in the second spot, surprisingly led away at 21 to 1. The only two graded stakes winners in the race combine for a $13 exacta. We also looked uh, at the Iowa Oaks, and it was uptown birdie. Steve Margolis, one of the good guys in racing, uh, got this horse uh, trained at fit, looking good. A very well judged ride by the Frenchman Julien Le Paru. Then it was the Dwyer Stakes, kind of redemption time for horses that were nominated to the Triple Crown. Every horse in the field had been nominated to the Triple Crown, and the even-money favorite was Teeth of the Dog, who had to run his brains out to to win this one to hold off Fast Falcon. Uh, Fast Falcon uh, had pretty much uh, put in a good race against Teeth of the Dog last time to finish two and three-quarter lengths off, but in this race, it was a neck victory, a very game effort by Fast Falcon, but congratulations to Teeth of the Dog and classy trainer Michael Matz. So that that was the Dwyer Stakes. Uh, Then we went to another great race uh, at, at, at Hollywood Park, the Shoemaker Mile, race named after Willie Shoemaker, who, believe it or not, in this race, it was, I believe, called the preview back when he rode in it. He scored aboard a horse named Peace and scored his 1,000th stakes win. Think about that, 1,000 stakes wins. So this race has been renamed after Shoemaker. And the winner at 8-1 to one from last to a roaring first was Geronimo. That's right, Geronimo ran down Suggestive Boy and favored 
little Mike Joe Bravo in, in the saddle there. And just to catch you up on a 4th of July stakes, uh, steady, blue skies and rainbows. He wired the swap stakes. Uh, he held off the closers, Nonios and Liaison, all highly regarded three-year-olds. As you recall, uh, Liaison, he was making his first start since finishing sixth in the Kentucky Derby. A rousing Sermon was also in this field uh, since running eighth in the run for the Roses. Well, that pretty much catches us up on what happened this week. I'm looking forward to what's going to happen. I look. I don't think Tommy Makem's going to be with us, but we're going to be with one of the Clancy brothers coming up here when we talk to award-winning writer and rider Sean Clancy here on Winning Ponies. We'll be right back. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, porters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. If you want to talk about the East Coast sports scene, particularly from the Southeast, make sure you tune in to the Jeff Owen Show every Tuesday. Yeah, we'll talk about some of the other teams and news that's out there, but host Jeff Owens and co-host Tasha Humphrey know the inside and out of the Georgia College sports world, and they were born there, raised there, and still live the scene. We'll talk about every sport imaginable. Tune in on Tuesday at 7 p.m. East Coast time, 4 p.m. in the West, on the Voice America Sports Channel. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. I just think that the coach made a mistake. Crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. Ah, yes. I remember when I was a young lad in Albany, New York, we used to sit there with an old wind-up gramophone, and we, we would listen to uh, old Irish ballads, and then they finally moved up to phonograph, and the record at my house that was played the most was Tommy Makem and the Clancy Brothers uh, through my, my mother's Irish family. And today I'm going to get to talk to, uh, to one of the Clancy Brothers, Sean Clancy, who's a critically acclaimed writer and former champion jockey. Uh, who had uh, just a lifelong association with horses. His father, Joe Clancy, uh, trained both flat and steeplechased horses, and obviously I uh, got in his blood. Uh, he rode steeplechase horses for 13 years, winning 152 races and a national championship in 98. And uh, also he's, he's the author of uh, Saratoga Days, the best of the Saratoga special. He's written for the Forum, the Blood Horse, uh, the Mid-Atlantic. He's uh, been an Eclipse Award-winning writer for his uh, commentary 
Terry Life's work in the editions of The Blood Horse, and he's also won an award for the book that he wrote uh, on Barbaro, the horse who captured America's heart. I could continue with his bio, but this is only an hour-long show. Sean Clancy, welcome to Winning Ponies. Uh, thanks for having me. Quite a storied uh, past uh, that you have. Obviously, it, it, it starts with, with, with your Irish racing blood that, that is steeped into your family. Uh, tell us about it, what it was like growing up with your dad. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was really natural. I mean, I think a lot of people struggle to get in the sport where I, I really couldn't get out of the sport. Um, you know, to spend any time with Dad, you, you went to the barn, you went to the races, you rode, you fox hunted, uh, you know, that's how you spent, I, mean, I spent every weekend of uh, my life at the races, some racetrack somewhere, I mean, uh, everywhere from, you know, Timonium, Bowie, Laurel, Pimlico, Delaware Park, uh, you know, all the way to Saratoga, Charlestown, wherever, so it was really natural, it was just, uh, it was a really easy, natural thing for me to do, and I uh, loved riding and just always wanted to be a jockey, I mean, I was going to be a jockey before, I was going to be a jockey before I even rode much i mean i just was a kid and that's that's what i was going to be uh, i wanted to be a flat rider first and then kind of went blown past that and ended up riding over jumps uh which was great uh well they say that that could happen to joe o'brien over in england but right now obviously he's still able to straddle uh graded stakes horses he's on his way to uh possibly uh, the english triple crown for his dad uh kind of so- sounds like a, a parallel story right there um yeah, minus the, yeah, I'm about I'm probably twenty million dollars behind the uh, O'Brien family in personary. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me a little bit about it. When I was a young kid, I, I used to go up to Saratoga, and usually the, the, the first race of the day or somewhere around there, there'd be a steeplechase race. Obviously, always thrilling. You always hope everybody makes it over the jump. Uh, more the, the, the things do happen, but it's amazing how it seems like ninety nine percent of the time, horse and rider just roll and get up. Um, what, what's what's the thrill like what does it feel like to be a steeplechase jockey uh i mean for me it was you know again it was very natural so you never really got caught up in the thrill of it it was it was a job i loved it um i loved to win races i mean that's what i lived for um so it was you know it was really just uh you know it was a job but it was a passion um i you know i i just put everything i had into it it was a great thrill um you know, I, I used to laugh. I'd, we'd ride every weekend, and I'd go, you know, Friday afternoon. I'd always fill up my car with gas, and the, the person behind the counter would say, uh, you know, have a great weekend. And I'd look at him and just think, oh, you have no idea what's in store. I could have the best or the worst weekend of my life, you know, one, uh, one jump to the next. Um, so, yeah, it was pretty uh, – it, it was a fun, uh, very um, – you know, adrenaline rush, uh, you know, kind of thing to do with your life for sure. Now, uh, as a rider and someone that that works around the barn, you know, I, I look at uh, some of these jumpers when they were starting out, and I remember them when uh, I'd have it on the bottom of my ticket at a trifecta somewhere. How do you make that transition from taking a, a horse that's been trained for speed on the main track as a thoroughbred and turn him into a jumper? Uh, most of them, most of them do it pretty naturally. You want to start out with the right kind of horse. You want a horse that's got some stamina, has some turf pedigree, uh, has a decent size, decent confirmation, is sound for sure. Um, 
you know, if you start out with the right the, the right scenario, you'll have a pretty good chance of success. I mean, we we always, you know, as a steeplechase guy, you're always looking for, you know, the big the big long turf horses that uh, you know that that have shown stamina and shown soundness and toughness and uh, you know the Dynaformers, the Empire Makers, you know the Cozines, those type of horses. So uh, a lot of them. If you start with the right horse, it's pretty natural. You start with the wrong horse you're in for a long uphill battle they'll never really a lot of you know you take a speed horse or take an unsound horse or take a horse that's not really natural to it you're going to really struggle with it but for the most part if you do it right you give them the right amount of time and freshen them up and get them just kind of away from the racetrack a little bit most of them handle it pretty easily well, I wasn't around in, let's say, the 1600s, but from what I gather before there was even recognized flat racing, it was basically, uh, I'll race you to yonder steeple, and that's how steeplechase happened, you know, going over the fences and the bushes from one church point to another. Um, what, where do we see steeplechase racing as it exists now, and where might its future be? Uh, well, we basically have a circuit of about 32 individual race meets that go spring and fall. We call them hunt meets, but they're basically one-day affairs all around, well, mostly on the East Coast, but anywhere from, you know, Nashville, Tennessee, Atlanta, uh, Louisville, um, you know, a lot in Virginia, Pennsylvania, Maryland, and, and those are just one-day events, you, and, and you kind of set it up, and, and you go there with the, it's almost like a traveling circus. You kind of set up for the weekend. You get huge crowds when a place like Far Hills, New Jersey, which offers, I think, almost $450,000 in purses on the day. It's in the fall, and um, that's right outside New York City. They get they get 50,000, 60,000 people there. I mean, it's a huge day. It's a great uh, it's a great day out. It's a great way to celebrate the country. Uh, all of us people chase races are run for charity, so they raise they raise you know millions of dollars at these individual race meets for uh, cancer research, different hospitals, um, you know open spaces, uh, land preservation. So um, that part is you know it's a really um, you know philanthropic kind of way to to raise money and people enjoy it. Um, and then then they go to the major tracks during the summer, so we get geared up for Saratoga. That's really the showcase of the major track racing for us. There'll be nine races there coming up every Thursday. And, um, you know, it's, uh, you, steeplechasing's future is probably, you know, it's, it's, I'm not sure it ever really grows much bigger than it is in this country. Um, but, you know, it, it has a nice established role. A lot of real lifelong horsemen, uh, enjoy it and appreciate it. And it's a nice way to get a horse kind of tra- transition from flat racing to doing something else. I mean, most of our horses go on and be fox hunters or event horses or show horses or, you know, something. I, I have a little farm in Middleburg, Virginia. I'm sitting out here with my feet up on the fence, and I'm looking at three horses out in the backfield, three thoroughbreds. You know, they all uh, they go out every night, and, you know, one's by with approval. One's a full brother to Winchester. He's turned out in the backfield, and the other one... Uh, the other ones are real bum, but they uh, they have a great life, and they you know they they're living a pretty good life out here. Well, I know of which you speak because it was many years ago, but I remember going to the the Rolling Rock races in Ligonier, oh, Pennsylvania. Yeah, one of the greats. Oh, what a place! Yeah, I just my, the girl, my girlfriend at the time, her uncle was somehow hooked up, and I got to go in the judges' stand and everything, and I also got in, introduced to rye whiskey that day, and it was a <laughs> it was a marvelous afternoon, I must admit. Um, yeah, that was a treasure that place. 
Uh, Let's move to uh, all of your hard works and efforts. Uh, I I don't know how you get geared up uh, for the Saratoga special, but uh, pretty much I don't think anybody walks down Union Avenue without uh, a copy of that under their arms uh, at at Saratoga time. does, does your life change for a, a month and a half now? Because you just got to work your butt off to get that out. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Our slogan is always, uh, we'll sleep in September. So it's, uh, <laughs> my brother and I, we, uh, we, we began this paper in 2001, right after I stopped riding racing in 2000. And uh, we started the paper in 2001. And it's really grown. It's a real tradition at Saratoga. And, uh, you know, we cover the races kind of from the inside, uh, try to provide a just provide a window into the sport for our readers and, and the fans of the sport and we really uh really try to you know we're always uh you know it's we get exclusive interviews we like to do our own stuff and uh you know i think like when royal delta wins alabama you really you read an article about it the next day when it comes out you're there at five thirty in the morning it's at the coffee stand and uh you know that's i try to really provide a different look into Royal Delta and how she got there and really kind of wade into Bill Mott's brain about how it happened and, and we'll, you know, what's brilliant about her. And, you know, the, so that's what we really try to do. We try to provide a, just a, a real window into the sport that, that a lot of people don't get to appreciate or enjoy like like us. I mean, I've always been a real insider. I mean, I, in the back stretch in the world, but I can't just kind of walk in, wave, and 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 you know, walk up to a trainer or walk in a barn. And you realize that a lot of people can't do that. And I think that's uh, if we can bring that to the readers, that's that's really our ultimate goal. Well, obviously, do you do? And since two thousand and one, I'm sure that these people uh, just have a fantastic uh, uh, comfort zone uh, with the with the Clancy brothers because they know that you're going to give an honest uh, report of uh, of what's going on back there and probably show the sport in its most positive light. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, for us, it's it's we have a you know, it's a real luxury to just go there for the six weeks and write about the sport at Saratoga for six weeks because as we all know it's there, there's nowhere better and you know you have brilliant racing and a stakes you know at least one stakes every day and you have the sales and the atmosphere and the you know good trainers owners jockeys horses so uh yeah for those six weeks I like to think it's one time that you really can celebrate what's 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 brilliantly good with the with the game and uh we try to bring that to light and uh you know it's nice in a way that we don't almost don't wade into the the problems that sport has and try to cover the rest of the year we really you know really celebrate the six weeks and enjoy it and and try to bring it to life well, as a young lad that, that that grew up going there, my brother worked at the track. I can certainly have an appreciation for it, and I can feel the the energy that that's building up uh, as, as Saratoga is getting ready to run. And uh, for the listeners out there, please put Saratoga on your bucket list. Uh, you can make a side trip to Cooperstown and see the Baseball Hall of Fame if you want. Uh, you can take uh, go to Tanglewood and listen to the orchestra. Uh, it's, it's just an amazing place, but it, it's, it's all things, uh, racing for, for the next couple of weeks. And the, 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 this, this, the way the city is set and the way it, there's just a comfort zone, uh, there, there's nothing like it. It's really, it's, it's hard to put into words. Uh, uh, it really is. Yeah. It's the one time when you, when you're not in the minority, I mean, the majority of the people in Saratoga are, you know, just rabid racing fans. So uh, you walk down the street, yeah, you see the racing form, the Saratoga Special, the 
you know, the, the people going to the races, talking about the races. The best thing is sit on the porch on Union Avenue and uh, watch the watch the people walk home. And, uh, you know, they're always just conversing and laughing and talking about the, you know, the near misses, the, the, the triumphs, the, you know, the, the big moments. And, you know, so that part's just brilliant. I can relate my... my... My aunt, uh, Sister Elaine Marie, who was nicknamed Sister Kitty, cared for a woman on Union Avenue, and so <clears throat> she would have a small little uh, case of uh, cold beverages for us because she didn't want us to get caught in the traffic. So we would just <laughs> exactly. sit there and let it go by. Well, you know, so many of us, you, you get into racing and you can't help but saying, you know, I, it, it's the one place, unlike you and I are never going to own a baseball team, but we could probably get a couple friends together and get a syndicate together and buy a racehorse. And I think you put one together and you landed on a pretty nice pony by the name of Eagle Poise. Yeah, he's a very, uh, very nice horse. I bought him at um, Keeneland, November 2010 as a, as a steeplechase prospect. Originally, we had uh, used by Empire Maker um, out of a Nureyev mare, Judmont, homebred. So um, we bought him to make a steeplechase horse and then uh, I got playing with him some and kind of decided that we try him back on the flat and uh he's done great for us. We won the um valedictory last year Woodbine grade three and then he was second beating the dirtiest nose of my life in the San Juan Capistrano. Oh that's uh, a nice race. Yeah, it took six and a half he said it took six and a half minutes to decide on the photo and it, it felt like six and a half years to to, to, the, <laughs> to the to the syndicate members are standing on the track waiting for them to post the post the numbers. So uh he's a nice horse. We're gonna run him in the stars and stripes um next week at Arlington Park, um grade three out there, so that should be kinda of fun. Well, uh, you know, best of luck to you in all your endeavors. And uh, as my mother would say, uh, may you always have walls for the wind, a roof for the rain, a warm cup of tea by the fire, laughter to cheer you, those that love near you, and all that your heart does desire. Sean Clancy, thanks so much for being with us tonight on Winning Ponies. My pleasure, Jack. All right. All right, that was Sean Clancy, a very interesting individual. Again, uh, his latest project uh, or his newest project in the days ahead will be the Saratoga Special, something you have to pick up uh, if you are in uh, Saratoga, reading it under the uh, ancient elms there uh, by the Man of War Fountain. And uh, just a, a class guy, and what an amazing life that that, that he has led. So uh, uh, Sean Clancy was our first guest. And coming up, guy that worked for the Daily Racing Forum for 11 years, and he knows how to handicap those horses. And we've got speed to handicap and then some classics at the end. The one, the only, Steve Marsenak. So we're going to take a little bit of break. We'll be right back on Winning Ponies. flagship station for sports voice america sports fantasy sports is where the action really is over 40 million people play fantasy sports but rarely do they get to quiz the experts fantasy insights is the name and the game Tune in every week as Dish Adams and his guests clue you in on the fantasy football game, what's happening on and off the field, and how it will affect your fantasy team. These experts aren't just beat writers assigned to fantasy football. They live and breathe the game. Tune in to Fantasy Insights with Dish Adams every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Sports. 
What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Kevin Lewis has been a student of the game his entire life, from Little League to the NFL. Tune in Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on Voice America Sports. Hustling with K. Lewis. It's not where you start, it's how you finish. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, back here for the handicapping segment of the show. Uh, we're going to go down uh, and look at all these speed horses at, at Calder Racecourse in the start, and then we're going to come back with the Hollywood Gold Cup and the Suburban after our break. With me right now, a gentleman by the name of Steve Marcinak. Uh, I've got to know over the years, got to know him first professionally and then as a, as a friend, and one thing I always admire is his handicapping style. Um, if, you're, if you're looking for a price horse, he's able to reach down there every once in a while and find him. He might have to put it underneath the favorite, but he's got a unique way of handicapping. And he'll share that with you in a few minutes. But right now, Steve Marcinak, are you with me? Sure, I'm John. Thank you. Okay. Well, listen. Uh, kind of paint a picture here. Tell the people uh, who you are and what it was that made you fall in love with our sport of kings. My first, uh, my first jump into horse racing. I'm a New Jersey native. My cousin brought me to Monmouth Park, ooh, sometime in the '70s, and of course, like. You know, not no secret. I caught the bug just like everybody else. So um, that was my first dip into racing was Mammoth Park. My cousin now is a you know small trainer on the Pennsylvania circuit. He has some horses. Uh, his name is Paul Conrad in the at the Philly Park circuit, and he kind of gets the castoffs from um, from Alan Goldberg, who's with uh, JF Stables. So. Which is a pretty high-powered New York stable. Yeah, New absolutely. Those stable. are bad cast-offs. Yeah, and he kind of gets the ones that really can't win on the New Jersey, the Monmouth, or the Belmont circuit, and he he does a pretty nice job with um, some really pricey horses uh, running at Philly Park. So, um, in other businesses I was in, I was in the the alcohol beverage business and the beer business, and I finally decided I, I kind of circled back um, and started applying every, everywhere and anywhere and landed a job with the racing form um, from 2001 and to 2011 and um, uh, did a lot of sales, did a lot of handicapping, did a lot of circulation, kind of did a lot of marketing, did a little bit of everything, uh, including being on your old show, uh, regular guy at River Downs, so um, and I and I always enjoyed it, and I always scratched my head with some of the horses you'd come up with. You'd see things I'd never see, and these horses would would come home at at a price. So I know I've thrown some challenges you uh, at you here. 
Uh, we've got the Summit of Speed down at Calder. Uh, we're not going to be able to do every stakes race, but uh, a lot of challenging ones from everything from, uh, you know, five furlongs on the turf to restricted races for three-year-olds and then three and up. I believe Trinenberg's going to try, try to tackle them. Um, uh, kind of an interest, interesting day to approach with, with, with all sprint races, isn't it? Yeah, it is, and I, I just was reading um, a little bit about it, and in years past, they, had had, they would have horses shipping in all over the place, um, especially from the New York area, um, but with the slot-fueled purses at, in Philadelphia, uh, New York, and from the Northeast, um, the article stated that a lot of the horses are just who run at Calder are going to be participating in this, so you don't see as many shippers... Um, this year uh, with the Summit of Speed that you have in previous years, which uh, Calder's a very tricky racetrack. Um, so that, I think that a lot of shippers have had problems shipping in there because it, it's, it's one of those tracks where I usually look for horses that have run over it or run successfully over it. It's very deep, tiring racetrack. Um, they're always great bets, Calder shippers, when they ship out of Calder because they're so legged up. Um, you know, from running in a deep surface. So uh, Calder is a tricky track, so you, you kind of, it's nice to have a home, it's a home field advantage type of track is what I'm really trying to say. Uh, yeah, it, it it is. And, you know, it's funny, as I was handicapping the card, it's funny, it, it's not every day when practically every race you look down and you go, wow, this horse went 44-1 and one or 44-2. and two. Hell, half the field in these races yeah. has their average speed for the half. I know it is funny when you're trying. You're like, "Wow, this is a speed horse. This is a speed horse. This is a speed horse." And sometimes that goes right out the window. One of the speed horses gets out, and nobody else goes, and he ends up wiring him. So, um, what looks like a ton of speed on paper doesn't always happen um, in some of these races because uh, you know that's that's why they call it handicapping. You gotta you can be, you can do all the work, but then it may not plan out exactly how you. Um, how you, how it looks on paper. Well, speaking of looks on paper, I know you've been looking on paper this afternoon. Uh, we can't handicap them all, but we'll start. Uh, we'll, we'll 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 cover the uh, uh, the ninth, the as Azalea, yep. the tenth, the Smile Sprint handicap, and let's start off right now with a race named after a great mare, Princess Rooney. The Princess Rooney handicap, a Grade One. Obviously, in here, it looks like uh, the one to topple off the top is the musical romance, who herself, as you stated earlier, is a horse that uh, can take to this course. She's won almost a quarter million. Yeah, and she's the she won the uh, Breeders' Cup Philly Mare Sprint at Churchill last November at a big price at twenty to one. Now, there's an, an example of a Calder shipper um, doing very, very well going to another racetrack. So. Uh, that was a nice overlay that day. Um, since then, uh, since that race in November, she has run um, uh, four times, ran at Goldstream after the Breeders' uh, Cup sprint um, in the Sunshine Millions and finished fourth, went back, then won a grade two at Goldstream in March, uh, came up to Keeneland, didn't fare so well on the poly track. Lost a groupie doll who's turned out to really be a really nice horse. Um, and then went back to Churchill on Derby Day um, in the Humana Distaff 
and ran second to Groupie Doll again. So Groupie Doll's a really, really nice horse. So yeah, music. Well, she's not going to be here. What I want to know is, since we're trying to take three of these races, yeah. who's Steve come up with? Well, you know, it's interesting in this race. Marty Wilson has six has six entries in here, and I'm not really in love with any of them uh, except. The Oswith is the one horse spectacular sky. So if you're looking for a price in this race, um, he's got six in there. Spectacular sky went, it was previously trained by Marty Jones out on the West Coast. Um, didn't really like the poly at all. In fact, it's 0 for 7 on poly. Gets back on dirt. I think the horse is sitting on a really nice race, and she's, She's eight to one. Um, she got. She has a tricky post the rail, but doesn't need the lead. The obvious plays are musical romance, uh, bouquet booth from the Steve Margolis barn and Nicole H from the Fox barn. Now they'll be the three betting choices. But if you're looking for a really sneaky horse, I think Wilson's got one with spectacular sky on the rail. Gets back on the dirt, has great dirt form, and. You know, with the right trip, I like Spectacular Sky, the number one at eight to one. All right, we got to keep this moving along. The Smile yep. Sprint. Uh, I know that uh, Trinenberg is cross entered. I got to guess, as hot as he is right now, he's probably going to take the older horses out in this race for four hundred thousand. Yeah, he's the lone three-year-old in a in the race. Uh, he ran he ran his top buyer last out one oh six. Uh, on Belmont Day. That was a speed-favoring track that day. I'm going to try to beat him um, uh, with you know, a horse that you know I think has a really, really good chance to beat him, and that's Indiano, uh, the seven horse, another Marty Wolfson horse who's three for three lifetime. Right, at Calder. Uh, um, I think the race will set up beautifully uh, for Indiana. Um, he, I think he'll sit Indiana. I think he'll sit third or fourth off Trinenberg, Artifacto, and some other speed in the race. And I think Indiana is going to, with Bridge Mahad coming in the ride, is going to really fire. Um, and loves Calder and is a juicy six to one morning line. There you go. Well, Steve's the price guy. I'll probably go with Trinenberg. One of my favorite quotes, we had uh, uh, Mike Watchmaker on Winning Ponies before the Derby, and he said, the only way Trinenberg's going to get the distance of the Derby is if they let him cut across the infield. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, uh, real quick, let me put your feet to the fire here on the Azalea. It's a grade three. We've gone grade one, grade two, grade three. Uh, this race seems a little more wide open than the other ones. Uh, I'm not sure if you, there's a horse you key in here that says it's the one to beat. Yeah, I, I, again, I, I try to lean against chalk, but I think the five citizen advocate has a pace advantage in here. I don't think she's going to have to go as fast as she did last time. Uh, it was the first time they put blinkers on her, um, and she ran 21 and 2, 44 and 3. It really was running fast. It kind of just lost by a neck uh, to another romance, who's the two in here, who was 15-1 in her last race. Likes Calder, another romance. Yeah, and likes Calder. I think sometimes when they put blinkers on, a horse will really just go a little too fast. Speed out, you know, like you can't believe. And I think she'll relax more this time. She gets a real positive rider change with Cornelia Velasquez coming in from New York. I think she's the lone speed, and I don't think she's going to have to go 21 and 44. If he can slow it down a little bit, um, I think she can win. 
Interesting enough, the betting favorite in that last race, the Leave Me Alone, was the nine horse, uh, Stanley Gold's Red Bud Road, um, who seemed to regress off her first race where she ran big. So if you want a sneaky one, if the race falls apart, uh, look for Red Bud Road. All right. You're always looking for, for a sneaky one, Steve. That's what I like yes. about you. That's the reason why you had you on Winning Ponies, because people get tired of me picking the obvious choice in these races. Uh, it'll be interesting uh, coming up to these two classic races uh, we're going to look at next, uh, both of them that are just steeped in legendary horses that have run in it, the Hollywood Gold Cup and the Suburban Handicap. I'm talking with handicapper... Mr. Marcinac, Steve Marcinac, and we're going to be back right after this break on Winning Ponies. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And there. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Tune in to a show about making a comeback and what really goes on behind the scenes with your favorite athletes and beyond. Listen for The Comeback Radio Show with Tony Farmer. A lot of people believe what they read on the Internet, hear and see in the media, and on the news. We're going to give our guests the chance to tell the real story without the extra hype. It's not just sports, although that will be a focal point of the program. We'll also look at the world of celebrities, music, modeling, and more. Listen every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, Steve Marcinak, an astute handicapper. Uh, who's uh, worked at the Daily Race Forum, grew up loving races on the East Coast. He's going to help us cap a couple really classic races uh, o- over the years right now, and that's uh, the Hollywood Gold Cup and the Suburban. I guess we'll start with the with, with the, the Hollywood Gold Cup. You know, you, you look back through time, and you, you see the names uh, Citation, Swaps, Round Table, Gallant Man, Native Diver. I mean, the list just goes on and on. And let's not forget more uh, modern days. Uh, skip away and a, a nice horse by the name of uh, Cigar and, and a horse that we've seen that turn into a pony, Lava Man, recent days. Uh, th- this race just steeped in history, and uh, it's probably got one of the best horses training in North America right now in the field in Game On Dude. Yeah, he he just he freaked in his last race. It was, he only beat four. It was only a four horse field. He only beat three horses. Um, he did run his highest buyer figure of all time, a hundred fifteen buyer, and that was after a disastrous trip to uh, to Dubai, where he finished twelfth and never was in the race, but came back no worse for the wear. Ran a, a monster race, one fifteen, which is. 
you know, close to the highest buyer figure of any horse this year. So, um, you know, get that horse. Game on, dude. Just loves the lead, and that's where he'll be on Saturday. Well, who do you see as his challenger? Well, you know, I, I as I looked at the race, John, I thought Anthony's Cross was not going to let Game on Do get an uncontested lead like he had um, in the California in his last race, where he set fairly moderate fractions. They put the blinkers back on Anthony Cross, Anthony's Cross, and uh, I he really was a sprinter um, in some of his early races, and I think. The five, Anthony's Cross is going to really make it tough on game on, dude. So I'm going to go to the other Baffert um, horse, Richard's Kid, uh, who I think will sit a perfect trip uh, behind, third behind game on, dude, and Anthony's Cross. Anthony's Cross and 35th Street on the outside might be on that pace as well. So I think Richard's Kid, this race sets up beautifully for Richard's Kid. I'm betting that game on, dude, bounces um, regresses, you know, off that 115 top. And I think the other Baffert is you're going to get better value on Richard's kid, uh, in, at five to two morning line rather than game on dude at four to five. So if you want four to five, maybe even lower take it with game on dude, but I'm betting that the 115 buyer that that took a ton out of that horse, uh, game on dude and he'll regress. And I like Baffert's other horse, Richard's kid. Boy, I, that, that, that awful, awful gutsy move on your on your part because uh, it, 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 he's just he's one of the best of his generation. That's going to be awful tough. Yeah, I again, I, I, Richard's kids two for three over the Hollywood Polly uh, with two wins out of three starts. I really loved his last race. It was a really slow pace. Uh, and drew off by seven lengths. And I really like when horses do that, when they don't get the pace to run into and they can still just finish. So, again, I'm, I'm counting on Game On Dude regressing. And if he does regress, I think the other Baffert is the better value play. All right, well, let's move on to the Suburban Handicap in New York. We're going a, a mile and an eighth. You heard some of the horses I mentioned uh, from the, the the former Hollywood race. Well, you know this race was first run in 1884. Uh, one of the horses who was uh, still holds a track record at River Downs from 1926 in the Hall of Fame Crusader won this race twice. Then you wow. got Devil Diver, uh, Armed, uh, Tom Fool. How about a horse by the name of Nashua? Maybe a horse Bold Ruler, Bald Eagle, Kelso, Kelso. Uh, Dr. Fager, just an amazing list of Hall of Famers, forego, foolish pleasure, easy goer. And how did this race become a grade two? (laughs) With those names, you'd wonder why. It's unbelievable. But nonetheless, you know, we've got got a very, very solid, solid group in here of uh, some of the better uh, older horses in the the country. Um, And uh, it's going to be a very interesting race. you know, it's again sad to say, not a big field, but uh, it, it's just full of class. Uh, Stay thirsty, Kaxa Electronica, Mucho Macho Man with a jockey switch to Mike Smith, and uh, Billy Mott's to honor and serve. I'm dying to hear who you came up with in here. Yeah, it's a nice race. Uh, there's some nice horses in here. On paper, it looks like there's plenty of pace, and in, in the pace of Trickmeister, who Dominguez decided to stay with 
And as you just mentioned, Mike Smith uh, is coming in from California to ride Mucho Macho Man for Kathy Ritvo. Dominguez was the regular rider the last uh, six times Mucho Macho Man ran, but he decided to stay with Detro's horse, Trickmeister. I think Trickmeister is a need-to-lead type. He's never been headed uh, in any of his races. He's six for seven lifetime. He's always on a lead, but I think he's going to have some company with endorsement. Uh, Garcia with Martin Garcia and Owen Hardy's horse on the rail. Um, I think he's also going to have some company possibly with to honor and serve and buff them. So I, I think there's no shortage of speed in the race. Which uh, leaves you with who? Which leaves me with um, money rider Mike Smith um, with Mucho Macho Man. 0 for 1 over Belmont, but that was on a sloppy track in the Belmont. Uh, Belmont Stakes long ago. I just I think that's just a tip off that Mike Smith would leave California um, to come ride Mucho Macho Man. I just think the race on paper sets up for him. I think he's a really nice horse. Only a four year old. I don't think he's run his best race yet. I know he. A lot of people have labeled him a Goldstream Park horse only, but I'm going to give him a shot at four to one. I just don't want nine to five on honor and serve. I think he ran his top buyer last race, 109. Uh, I don't think Trickmeister is going to get an easy lead. I've never been a really big Stay Thirsty fan uh, at Belmont. I think he just loves Saratoga. So I'm going to take a whirl at four to one with Mucho Macho Man with money rider Mike Smith coming in the ride. All right. Well, my Mucho Macho Man from Lexington, Kentucky, Steve Marcinek, uh, you, don't forget your weight up, up here. I look forward to seeing you in the near future, my friend. John, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thank oh, you. All right, Steve Marcinek. Now, I've got some uh, late-breaking news for you from our friends at Winning Ponies. And uh, this kicked off on the 4th of July, so we're a little bit of firecrackers. we got a little bit of a bonus here. Uh, you're going to get 25% winning credits bonus on your next purchase by using this promo code, July 4, 12. Pretty easy to remember, right? Started on the 4th of July, July 4, 12. And this bonus is going to run until Sunday with the purchase of 100 winning credits or more. An additional 25% discount is going to be added on top of the regular 15%. So uh, definitely, you've got to, you've got to check in. Uh, we're we're uh, trying to take care of our customers. That's what it's all about at winningponies.com. So uh, remember, it's called July July 4, 1, 2, July 4th, 12th. So uh, that uh, is going to get you plenty of bonus points and give you a lot of value for being a member of winningponies.com for all of their great products. Well, that pretty much brings the uh, close uh, to another show here. Uh, I want to thank Steve Marcinek and Sean Clancy for joining us. I hope that uh, we put you on a slew of winners and gave you some good advice for when you head up to Saratoga. I uh, want to remind everybody that Jockeys Across America for the Permanently Disabled Jockeys Fund, you can get in on the bidding at 513-354-8303. For Winning Ponies, I'm John Engelhart overlooking the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky. Remember, bet with your head, not over it.
Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.